What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Inventing the Future podcast. Our mission with this show is to introduce you to the entrepreneurs and ideas that will both inspire and empower you to solve the world's biggest problems. This is Julian Alvarez, and I'm a Gen Z entrepreneur and a software engineer at Facebook. So this episode is going to be a little bit different because it has now been six months since I launched this podcast, and I thought it would be great to do a solo episode and reflect on the journey so far. I've also had an incredible array of experiences during the last six months and wanted to share my personal journey as an entrepreneur and some of the invaluable lessons that I have learned recently. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about what I worked on, experienced, and learned during the seven months that I had off in between the time that I graduated in December of 2020 from college and started at Facebook just two weeks ago. I'll give a quick update on my entrepreneurial journey and the immense challenges that we have been facing and how we are working to overcome them. And I'll also talk about the journey with this podcast, what I've learned from running the podcast for six months and the challenges that I've been facing along the way. I'll also share my deep reflections from my experience of traveling to South America for a month and my top insight from having done an ayahuasca ceremony in Peru. And finally, I'll talk about my recent move to Silicon Valley, where I started working at Facebook as a software engineer, and why did I join Facebook, and how do I think about this move to Facebook in the context of my career and my aspirations. So there's a lot of invaluable lessons that I have learned from these experiences, and I hope that you will be able to benefit from them. So with that, let's go ahead and dive in. So... To start off, I graduated in December of 2020, as I mentioned, from Texas A&M University with a degree in computer science. And I intentionally set out to have seven months off in between December to just recently, two weeks ago at the end of June, where I moved to Menlo Park, California, the Bay Area, to start my full-time job with Facebook. Now, I intentionally carved those seven months off just because there's always so many things that I'm interested in doing, working on, things I want to learn, and also have the opportunity to be able to travel. So I was very intentional during this time, and there were some things that I particularly focused on. I'm going to start off with where I focused my learning and some of the things I did to prepare for my time starting at Facebook. So The first thing that I really focused my time on was on building systems for my life and for my work. So what do I mean by this? Systems are kind of like habits in that first you work for your habits, then your habits work for you. Similarly, if you build your systems, your systems are then going to work for you, right? Like this is why I decided to build systems because Your productivity and your ability to consistently produce quality work is largely determined by the systems you have built to support your life and your work. So let me give you an example. I was so fortunate to come across this course on building your life operating system using Notion. Notion is a note-taking app. And this is a course by August Bradley that's completely free on YouTube, and it's by far the best free course I've ever taken. Highly, highly recommended, and I'll include a link in the show notes. But the way this basically works is that you start off from your very highest level purpose, like what drives you, what your guiding principles are, 
what your motivation and drive is. And in between, there's a lot of different levels all the way to the very bottom where you get to individual action items that are moving you forward to that higher level purpose. So basically, if you look at the hierarchy of your life, you have your purpose and your why, then you have your pillars, which support that purpose. So for example, pillars might be like this podcast, uh, buys the startup, Facebook. I'll also have things more on the personal side, like my health and fitness, my finances, and all of those things are pillars that support my purpose and why. But then you need to see like what supports those pillars. Well, part of what supports each of those pillars are habits and goals, for example. And I have goals outlined for myself in 10-year, 5-year, 3-year, 1-year increments, as well as every quarter, month, and week. And the reason this hierarchy is important is because if you just think about, for example, the analogy of dominoes, where you have a massive domino, which is your biggest goals that you want to crush in your life. But it's hard to go and directly like tackle that big domino. So instead, you tackle a slightly smaller domino. So instead of the 10-year goals, it's the five-year goals. And then you have an even smaller domino, which is your three-year goal. Then you have a smaller one, which is your one-year goal, all the way until you get to the point where you align your daily action, individual action items and what you're doing today in order to bring down that small domino will affect a slightly bigger domino and so on. So that way you make sure you're aligned every day with your highest aspirations. And when you build this system using a powerful tool like Notion, everything just kind of clicks and connects and works really well. And by the way, part of the reason I was so intentional about building systems is because I recognize that once I start with Facebook, I'm literally going to be balancing, or I already am balancing three things, which is the podcast, the startup that I'm in, and now Facebook. So because I'm going to be so busy, what's going to help me be most effective and efficient with my time is the systems that I build to help save me time and to be more effective and clear in what is most important. And I'll talk about that more for the podcast in a little bit. So that's one thing. And another thing I want to touch on building systems is the idea of building a second brain, or in other words, building your knowledge management vault. So your second brain, the idea here, and this was popularized by Tiago Forte from Forte Labs. He has a course called Building a Second Brain, and I took it and it was incredible. But basically, the main idea is that when it comes to managing your knowledge, like everything you're learning, you tend to come across several problems. So for example, there's three problems I'll touch on. The first is prioritization. So there's so much content you want to consume. Like there's books, articles, videos, podcasts, courses, and so many other things. But generally, you don't really have a clear idea of how to prioritize them. The second problem is placement. Like you don't really know exactly where to put information. And the problem is that if you don't know where to put this information, you're more likely to not take any notes. And if you don't take notes, you're not making the most out of the time you're investing to consume the content. And the final problem, which is kind of related, is organization. Like you need to have a designated spot to put your information, but it's generally not well organized. So even if we do take notes, because it's not well organized, 
you don't know where to look back in order to find that information and those notes that you took. And if you place in a considerable amount of time to take notes, but you can never find them, you lose so much of the value. So a second brain solves this problem because there's a clear structure and a clear organization on how to solve this. And by the way, August Bradley also has a spectacular video on how to build a knowledge management vault or a second brain. So I highly recommend to take a look at his videos and I'll link them below in the show notes. And by the way, I have built my own template for building a second brain on Notion. So if you subscribe to my newsletter, which I'll have a link in the show description, you'll get access to this template and many others that I've built. All right, awesome. One other thing that I want to touch on that I really focused on during my time off was networking. I mean, I was super intentional about joining entrepreneurship communities and making the most out of the time I have to meet as many people as I could. Now, why did I do this? I came across two books during my time off that really made a lasting impression on me that I would highly recommend. One is called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. And the other one is called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And one of the key things I learned from these books is that which with each ascending level of success, your ability to produce results will be more and more contingent on whose, not hows. Like if you think about it, most of the time that we're given a certain task or we need to do something or you have some goal, your first thought is to think about like, okay, how am I going to do this? But really, the whole point of the Who Not How book is that you should first be thinking about who can I ask? Who can I ask for help? Who could I hire in order to help me? Or who could I really get any sort of help that's going to help me with this? And if you start from there, it's going to help you achieve so much more, so much quicker. Because here's the key insight. If you learn on your own, that's linear learning. But when you learn from others, it's non-linear. Because learning on your own, it's kind of like you have to read through a lot in order to solve whatever particular problem you're facing. Well, if you're talking to a specific person, you're able to get immediate help on your specific situation. And in that sense, it's nonlinear. So that's one of the main benefits. Additionally, your network is your scope of opportunities. Like if there's any opportunities that people in your network come across, and they know that you would be a great person for that opportunity, they'll let you know. So the more people you know, the more opportunities are going to come to you. And that's ultimately what's going to help contribute the most to your growth, to your financial success, and to your personal and professional growth. So highly recommend those two books. I'll also include them in the show notes. And the networking has helped me immensely. All right. And the final concept I want to talk about is something I learned is that I've been taking this flow course by Stephen Kotler. And the best book I read during my time off is called The Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler. And the big point that he makes is that personality does not scale. Like you and I are very different. And if you see some super successful person that's like, I did this, this and this, and it worked for me, it's likely not going to work for you. I mean, it might and you want to go ahead and try it out for yourself. But the main point Stephen Kotler makes is that Personality does not scale, but biology does. That means that our brains are the neurochemicals, the neurotransmitters that we have in our brains are all the same. In that way, we're the same. So if you can learn about 
the neurotransmitters in your brain and what happens inside of your brain in order for you to be able to focus better, then those are superpowers that you can understand and leverage in order to get into deeper states of flow and concentration and focus. So it's important to realize that as knowledge workers, we have a very similar challenge as investors that are deciding where to invest their money. In our case, our attention is our most valuable resource and in place of money for investors. And we have a limited supply of our attention. So at any moment, we have to choose where to invest our attention. And anytime we choose to focus on something, we are making a bet that it will provide us with the greatest return out of all of the options we have. There's always that opportunity cost that you have to consider. And in the case of flow, like what is flow? It's like a deep state of consciousness where you feel your best and perform your best. It's kind of when time and action and awareness all merge into one. You're so engulfed in what you're doing. But the key thing to note is a typical flow session lasts 90 minutes to 120 minutes. And in that flow session, if you get the slightest interruption or distraction, you have to restart the entire flow cycle and you lose that momentum that you had. So we live in such a stimulated environment with our phones and with emails, with notifications that any distraction is capable of sapping you out of flow. And that is just way too expensive of a distraction. And it's just going to remove your ability to achieve the things you want to do if you're constantly in a distracted state. So yeah. All right. So the two things, apart from what I learned, two of the things that I mainly focused on during my time off were my startup and of course, this podcast. So since I'm an entrepreneur as well, and this is an entrepreneurship podcast, I'll give a quick update on how my entrepreneurial journey is going so far. So as a quick overview, I'm the co-founder and CTO at a startup named Vise, which is short for incentivizing good. And Vise is essentially a glass door for low-skilled workers, where these low-skilled workers that we're focused on primarily is factory workers in Tijuana, Mexico. And these factory workers are often overworked. They work in unsafe or unsanitary working conditions. They often are not respected at all or treated well, and they're just abused in a whole array of ways. And it's a horrible problem for many of them. So our goal is to create transparency so that we can improve working conditions. Now, we've been able to achieve a great milestone of getting over 3,000 reviews on our platform from these factory workers. But now our main focus is to get factories on board because they're the customers. They're the ones that are going to be paying. And they're also the ones that are going to be posting jobs. So until we have jobs on the platform, we won't be able to connect a job opportunity to what it's like to actually work at the factory. So that's our main focus, bringing factories on board. But man, this has been an incredibly, incredibly difficult challenge, primarily because we don't have any factories on board, so we don't have any credibility. And without credibility, we don't have trust. No one knows about us. And also these factories tend to stick to the status quo. They just already know what works for them and they just rather stick with that than trying something new and untested. And also COVID hasn't really helped. I mean, hiring hasn't been the same and fortunately things are starting to ramp up again, but it's really slowed us down a lot. So this is really a sales problem. Like how do you convince and sell someone 
that doesn't really have a lot of trust or isn't willing to be an innovator and be the first to try something out. So we've been getting better at our pitch. I've been working a lot on the sales side and learning about sales and learning the art of being able to sell yourself and what we're doing. And we've been getting closer and getting better. We recently hired a freelancer to help us with the sales component. We're on weekly calls to train the sales team to improve their pitch and keep on improving. And I think we're very close to a breakthrough. We've got several leads at the moment, but it's hard. And we've been at this for almost a year, almost a year trying to get these factories on board. So we've been at the startup for almost four years now, and it's so hard to work on something so hard and the results just not coming the way you would want them to. But that's part of the journey. And again, what I always think back to is that there's no doubt the problem is real. Like if we fail, it's not because there isn't a real problem. If we fail, it's because of execution. And I think all execution problems can be solved through learning and through continuing to try different things, through creativity, through experimentation, and just perseverance. And I'm just not willing to give up until we've tried everything that we can, because I know that if we give up, I'd also be giving up on all those factory workers that are suffering tremendously. So, yeah, that's a bit of my perspective there, but we'll keep you guys updated on how that's going. All right, for the podcast. So, as I mentioned, it's been almost six months now since I launched a podcast, and it's been such a spectacular experience filled with so many lessons and so many challenges as well. I mean, it's not easy. And in many senses, it's been interesting to think of the podcast kind of like a startup. But there's three lessons I want to highlight. Some of them I've already touched on, but I'll reemphasize just to clarify the point. So the first lesson is in picking the right success metrics. So just like in entrepreneurship, the amount of work that you put into something like a podcast is initially disproportional to the results that you get. And in that sense, it's dangerous to expect linear progress based on your efforts because the dissatisfaction from the lack of results that you're getting may cause you to give up too early. So to avoid this trap, I really committed myself to releasing a minimum of 100 episodes before considering whether I would give up or not. There's this great video on YouTube. I don't know if you guys know Marquise on YouTube. He has like 14 million subscribers and he reviews tech products. His 100th video on YouTube is him celebrating the fact that he had 70 subscribers, 72 subscribers. Can you imagine publishing 100 videos on YouTube and only having 72 subscribers, but being so happy and so thrilled by all of them and having built a small community that you could grow on top? That's what inspired me to commit to at least doing 100 episodes, just because with many things, it's easy to give up prematurely before you've actually found a way to continue to improve and find a breakthrough. So it takes time to improve your product and to grow your audience. And that's why my key success metrics are how much I'm learning and the number of incredible entrepreneurs I'm building relationships with. And in those two cases, the ROI and the success has been immense. All right, the second lesson, I touched on this already, but it's who, not how, right? So when it comes to something you need to do, think about who can do this and not how you're going to do this. I talked about this, but let me give you a practical example. So in these first six months, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what is everything that I need to do for this podcast and which of those things are delegable, meaning like which of these things can be delegated. And so far, I've hired six different people 
to edit the audio recordings, edit the YouTube videos, write the show notes, create content for social media, create the transcripts of the conversations, post episodes on different platforms, and a designer that has created a lot of designs to give the podcast a new futuristic look. And all of these people have minimized the amount of time that I have to invest significantly. And because of that, instead of focusing on the maintenance of the podcast, I can spend more time thinking about how to grow and how to improve and how I can learn how to be a better interviewer and ask better questions and improve my communication because that's what's going to drive results and that's what's going to help me grow. So when you make the transition in business from a business operator where you're doing almost everything to maintain the business and you become instead a business owner where almost everyone else is in charge of the operations, that gives you the freedom to be able to focus on growth and to define a bigger, brighter vision for where you're headed. So that's what I've done and it's worked immensely well. And right now, obviously, hiring all these people does take some money, but it's not as much as you think because these are freelancers from around the world. I mean, for one of them, I literally pay them $3 an hour, but this person's from Venezuela and $3 an hour in Venezuela is a fortune. So it's not abuse. It's just the economics of the world and being able to leverage those things intelligently. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to how much my time is worth and how much someone else can do the job for. And money and time are interchangeable. So I can buy back time and focus on the things that matter the most. And that's the best way in which I can use my money, right? Because you can't get more time, but you can always make more money. So that's the more precious resource here. All right, the third and final lesson. The invaluable power of networking. So I've talked about this already, but I just have to say, like, it's so important to build a strong network and to build a network almost before you need it. Because anytime you get anything off the ground, like you launch a product, you launch a company, you launch a podcast or anything like that, your family members, your friends and your extended network are going to be the first people that check out what you're doing and that will support you. And the bigger and better your network is, the more support you'll receive initially, which is just going to help you boost and grow at an accelerated pace. And this is what has enabled me to get a lot of feedback on how to improve my podcast. And additionally, all of the 10 people that I have interviewed so far have either come from my immediate network or from referrals from that network that I already had. So those are three lessons for you. Now, really quick, some of the challenges that I had here, I mean, let's be real, getting people to care about listening to you or to use your product is never easy. And I have faced numerous challenges along the way, but I see those challenges as growth opportunities and overcoming them is incredibly rewarding, especially because it's in service of a higher purpose and what I am able to give back to young entrepreneurs looking to understand entrepreneurship and to become better entrepreneurs. So there really is so many difficult decisions to make along the way, but I feel that my growth trajectory, like I keep getting better at how to ask good questions, how to have interviews. I've been building better systems to be able to delegate more of the work. And at the same time, I've been joining podcast accelerators and just learning. And I don't doubt that I'll find a way to not only grow, but further retain the audience that I've been getting so far. So yeah, and the vision of the podcast has been growing a lot as well. I've completely rebranded the design, as many of you might have noticed. 
on Instagram and other things. And yeah, I really envision turning this not only into a podcast, but into a brand and to continue growing the entrepreneurial community. Because I really want this to be the one-stop shop that you need for everything related to entrepreneurship and to help you succeed as a human and entrepreneur. So big things to come. All right. So two more things I'll touch on. One is South America and the other is starting my job at Facebook. So a month ago, I traveled to South America with my girlfriend and we went to both Ecuador and Peru. Both of these countries are developing countries. And apart from the beautiful nature that you see, you really experience and see a lot of the poverty that exists. I mean, especially in places like Cusco, Peru, which is the city where Machu Picchu is at. These are cities that are so dependent on tourism that when COVID came, it devastated so many people and businesses. And everywhere we went, we were told how grateful people were for visiting the country because we were one of the few tourists traveling at the time. And we had our vaccine, so fortunately we were safe and still took precautions. But yeah, I mean... The craziest, craziest thing that I learned along my trip was that someone told me that the minimum wage in Venezuela is less than $5 a month. Can you imagine that? Like one meal that you buy is anywhere from one to three times someone's monthly salary in Venezuela. This is completely ridiculous. You really don't realize how much you have until you learn about how little other people have. So always keep that perspective in mind. Now, the final thing I'll touch on South America is I want to reflect on the three-day ayahuasca retreat that I did in Cusco, Peru. Now, ayahuasca firstly is a plant medicine, and it is a combination between a leaf and a vine. And ayahuasca has been used for thousands of years by shamans, and it is revered almost as a god. This plant is revered almost like a god by many of these tribes, and it's just incredible and they consider it not a drug but a medicine because it really has true healing powers and ayahuasca has dmt which is the most powerful psychoactive chemical known to humankind so there's a lot i could say in this i want to keep this brief but i'm going to share one lesson and there's a lot more i could share so if you want to learn more definitely reach out i'd be happy to share the experience so my greatest lesson from the experience was realizing that there is nothing more beautiful than discovering and manifesting what you are capable of becoming, giving, creating, and achieving in this life. And on the contrary, there's nothing sadder than to leave your full potential untapped, like to never find out what you were capable of achieving and becoming in this life because you were crippled by fear or limiting beliefs, or you were just too addicted to comfort, or your potential was limited by all of the distractions that threw you off course. I mean, what really shocked me prior to doing the ayahuasca is that before it, I was thinking about what some of my weaknesses and flaws were, and I ended up listing a few, but not too many came up. But when I did ayahuasca, Mother Ayahuasca effortlessly highlighted all of my flaws and growth opportunities. It made me realize that I'm leaving so much of my potential untapped by failing to take the time to think through what my growth opportunities are. And if you don't have clarity on what your growth opportunities are, you are much more prone to getting distracted by the things that don't serve you. So what did I do? 
I made a habit out of reflecting on my growth opportunities on a weekly basis. And I use journaling as a way to keep myself accountable and to track progress on my growth opportunities. I think the key to success is to demand more from yourself than anybody could possibly expect of you. But you have to be brutally honest and transparent with yourself and hold yourself accountable on a consistent basis. Let's be honest, nobody wants to be held accountable, but it is one of the most important things you can do to support your own growth. So reflect on your growth opportunities, write them down in a place you'll see them often and review them once a week. Keep yourself accountable. Do it, do it, do it and journal and write. That is the best way to go about it. All right, last part here. So I moved to Silicon Valley two weeks ago and I started working as a software engineer at Facebook. So why did I pick Facebook? I had the option to pick between LinkedIn and Facebook, which was not an easy choice, but a good problem to have. I always aim to have high quality problems in my life. So this is definitely one of them. But I ended up picking Facebook, one, for the technical skills that I would acquire. Facebook invented React and GraphQL, which are two of the most popular technologies in the technical world. And two, I really admired and liked Facebook's culture and their bottom-up culture of anyone being able to bring any idea. They have a big entrepreneurial culture as well within the company. And there's a lot of obvious negative press around Facebook, and that concerned me before I started my internship a year ago. But I think it's also important to be compassionate to Facebook. Firstly, in understanding that it's easy to forget about how valuable, how much value Facebook creates. Because if you meet someone in person, you're either going to ask them what their Facebook is or what their Instagram is, which is more popular nowadays. And even if you don't, and if you ask for their phone number, it's very likely that you might use WhatsApp. I mean, billions of people around the world use WhatsApp. Facebook has more than 3 billion monthly active users across all of their apps, which is just ridiculous. That's literally almost half the world. So firstly, Facebook creates a lot of value, and I don't think they get enough credit for that because of the negative press and perception. But also, I think that Facebook has made mistakes and I don't absolve them for their mistakes. Like I'm not going to defend them for that. They've messed up really, really bad in the past and have not taken user privacy well. But what I have noticed is that Facebook is really, really, really good at learning from their mistakes and they're very mature. They've realized how important privacy is and how important everything like that is. So they've made the corrections and internally I can see that they really care about privacy, about being good, about being ethical. It's what they preach. It's part of their culture and I really admire it and see a lot of potential. So yeah. And the final reason I picked Facebook, they gave me a much better offer. And for me, money isn't the most important thing, but honestly, like when it comes to my own development, like investing in myself, I buy a lot of courses, go to a lot of live events, and money is needed to afford a lot of those experiences. So money is important for that reason. And the other reason it's important is because any money I make, I'm able to invest it into my startup, into my podcast, and all of those things allow me to magnify my impact and grow my net worth so that I can reach more people and impact more people. So that's also important. So why software engineering though, right? Like I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Why go work for a big company? Well, the way I think about it is that 
eventually I want to become a CEO and start my own company or just be in a startup. That's the environment that I thrive in the most and that I enjoy the most. But I feel like I got to check off some check marks first. Like, for example, Facebook, just the prestige that it has and that it gives me is going to be immensely valuable for my career. And also joining a startup, unfortunately, doesn't pay very well compared to what I'd get at Facebook. And also, like, if I'm ever going to work at a big company, now's the best time to do it. And the thing is, a company like Facebook is such a big machine that when you get to work at a company like that, you get to see and observe how all of the individual components that are a part of that big system, how they operate and how they move. And that helps you develop a better idea of the systems and processes in place that allow them to operate at such an immense scale. Apart from that, you're literally working next to some of the most brilliant people in the world. So it is a privilege to be able to start up my career here. And I'm so glad I'm done with school because I never really liked school. I don't think it optimizes for learning, which is supposed to be its purpose. And now that I'm starting my career, I just feel so thrilled because I feel like now I can fully manifest my potential. I can really show the world what I'm capable of in creating my impact and just seeing what I'm able to create and who I'm able to touch and who I'm able to help with the work that I do. So it's incredibly exciting. And I could not be more thrilled to finally be in Silicon Valley. I mean, I've only been here two weeks and the people I've already been meeting and interacting with in person are on another level. Silicon Valley is one of the most expensive places to live for sure. But honestly, I see it as an investment, not an expense, because the quality of people that are in this environment and also like my two favorite things are tech and entrepreneurship. And Silicon Valley is the epicenter for both of those things. So it is more of an investment, and I think it'll pay off tremendously. Apart from that, you get beautiful nature and weather that just make it so great. And now, like I've been noticing when I hang out with people, it's not just like, hey, let's go eat or let's get coffee. Sometimes it's like, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's go on a hike. Like, that's crazy. That's like the best way to socialize. You combine nature with exercise with cool business and entrepreneurial conversations where you just grow tremendously and have a great life. So, all right, that's a lot, but that is my update for you guys. I think it's great to develop a deeper relationship with my audience. And really, I want to end with a note of gratitude because I really am incredibly grateful to all of the guests that have come on and to all the wonderful people that have listened to any or all of the episodes like really thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support along this journey and i really am committed to serving you as an entrepreneur and human so please reach out if i can help in any way and yeah thank you all for listening with that i hope you enjoy your week so take care and be infinite my friends Hey guys, three quick footnotes here before closing off. So the first is, did you enjoy the topics discussed in this episode? Well, I invite you to join the Slack community for this podcast, where we'll keep the conversation going by engaging in discussions related to the episodes discussed in this podcast. Here, you'll be able to engage in conversations with me and other listeners. And if you really enjoy this podcast, it is likely that you would relate well with other listeners that also enjoy the podcast. 
In this community, you'll be able to meet, engage, learn from, and potentially collaborate with the like-minded entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. Let's invent the future together. The second quick note is if you are interested in receiving updates on new episodes, I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter. And in this newsletter, I'll also share notes, insights, wisdom, tools, and strategies that are designed to help you become a better entrepreneur and live a healthier, fulfilling, and more productive life. And finally, the last footnote is that you can follow us on social media accounts to get updates on new episodes and engage with invaluable content related to entrepreneurship. And also, we have a website now. You can go to inventingthefuture.ai for detailed show notes on all the episodes. So the links for joining the Slack community, subscribing to the newsletter, the social media accounts, and the website can all be found in the show notes for this episode. So with that, I would like to wish you a day, week, year, and life filled with an abundance of love, energy, and prosperity. Take care and stay infinite, my friends.